right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the No Laying Up podcast. My name is Randy. I have wrestled the controls away from Solly this week, and I'm excited about the episode on tap today. It is a preview of the Chevron Championship starting Thursday, March 31st from Mission Hills Country Club in Palm Springs, California. They've been playing this tournament here for over 50 years, and this will be the final iteration before the tournament moves to Houston starting in 2023. So I figured I better get out here. I've always wanted to see this tournament, actually to see Palm Springs in general, and I'm very happy to be here. So today's episode will feature three different interviews. They're each about oh, 18 to 20 minutes long and cover a nice mix of players. The first interview we have is with American Yalimi No. She's 20 years old. She'll be making her second start at the Chevron Following that interview will be Matilda Kastrin of Finland. She is 27 years old and making her inaugural start at the Chevron here. She was a breakout star last year on the LPGA Tour, culminating in a really, really nice Solheim Cup performance for Team Europe. In fact, she uh, she sank the clinching putt for Team Europe. So that will be the second interview. And then last but certainly not least will be Australia's Hannah Green, she is uh, the veteran of the group, if you can call her that. She's 25 years old, and this will be her fifth start at Chevron. She is a major winner. She won the 2019 KPMG Women's LPGA Championship, and she just made history a couple months ago, which I'll talk to her about by winning a mixed field event back in her uh, home country of Australia. So that will be the order of the three interviews for you. I want to mention the TV coverage of the Chevron this week is excellent. You can find live coverage on Golf Channel Thursday and Friday from 12 to 4 p.m. Eastern and then from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. That is both uh, Thursday and Friday. And then on Saturday, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Golf Channel. And then Sunday, April 3rd, 5 to 9 p.m. on Golf Channel. So a lot of uh, live golf on the women's side, which is excellent. And the only other thing I want to mention the Augusta National Women's Amateur is also taking place. That actually got started on uh, Wednesday, March 30th, the first round. They're going to play the second round on March 31st, and then the top 30 will go on and play the final round at Augusta National on Saturday, April 2nd. And you can watch that on NBC from noon to 3 p.m. Eastern time. So lots of lots of great uh, live women's golf. I hope you'll you know either set your TiVo or sit down in front of the TV and watch a lot of golf this weekend. Should be an excellent tournament out here. Um, aside from unfortunately Nelly Corda missing the event. It's a stacked field. All the best in the world are here. Just cannot wait to uh, to watch some golf to see how they fare on this Mission Hills golf course which from the looks of it and talking to people is in fantastic uh, condition. So the three interviews coming up, again, Yelimino, Matilda Castron, and Hannah Green. Before we get into that first interview, though, I want to thank one of our sponsors for today's episode, and that is Cash App. Cash App is the easiest way to send, 
spend and save your money. You can send or request money from friends and family when they owe you for dinner, literally anything. And besides just sending money back and forth, they also offer a platform where you can invest in any stock or buy Bitcoin with just $1. I have to say, it's never too early and certainly never too late to start investing in the stock market. Everybody should work to build out a nice balanced portfolio. And Cash App is a great platform to help you get started there. And check this out. You can get a debit card, which you can customize. Cash App will laser print it, mail it to you, and comes with free discounts on places you love, which they call Boost. So right now, you can use referral code NOLANGUP, all one word, NOLANGUP, which gives new users $15, and Cash App will set aside $10 for each sign-up to go towards the youth on course. So basically, the more people that use the code NOLANGUP when registering, not only are you getting $15, but you're helping to support junior golf. That's a huge credit to Cash App. Very cool thing that they're doing here. Check out Cash App. Thank them very much for sponsoring the No Laying Up podcast. And now on to our first interview with Yalimi No. Yalimi, thank you so much for your time today. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for having me. Well, let's start here. How would you, for anybody that isn't overly familiar with uh, with your golf game, I'm curious how you would describe your golf game. I'd say I'm one of the longer hitters on tour. So I have some distance and I'm, I'd say I'm a good ball striker and uh, can shape the ball pretty well, I'd say, <laughs> um, most of the times. And um, uh, yeah, just, oh, my short game is actually pretty good too, you know? Uh, yeah, and uh, working on my putting a lot, that's usually what kind of gets me, but yeah, long game's pretty good. Nice. This will be your second time playing here at Mission Hills for the Chevron Championship. I'm curious your thoughts on the course in general, you know, what, what skills or facets of the game does it put a premium on, in, in your opinion? Yeah, uh, it's always in, like, amazing shape here. I was, uh, even last year, the year before, it's always in good condition. But I think uh, everyone's saying that this year it's, like, extra good. Like, it's in really, really good condition. The fairways are pure. The greens are always rolling good. And uh, the fairways are, oh, I mean, the rough besides the fairway is actually not too bad. Like, I thought it was going to be longer and going to be pretty narrow off the tee, but it's not bad. And you can get definitely get the club through. And I think it's just around the greens, it's really pretty thick. Like, it, it disappears around the greens. So just really keeping the fairways and just hitting a lot of greens, I think, is going to be super key this week. And just, you know, getting the speed right and hopefully rolling a few in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I was going to ask, how do you feel about the state of your game coming in this week? Yeah, it's always a bit of a slow start for me in the beginning of the year, so I'm just kind of warming up, and I've been hitting it pretty good. I wasn't feeling, you know, up to shape last week, but uh, I've been on the range and been pretty good. I'm swinging it good, just hopefully we'll keep it, you know, in the fairways, on the greens, in the hole, like every week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this will be, I mean, gosh, you're you're only 20 years old. This will be your 10th start at a major already. Oh, um, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> I, and you've made the cut in each one of them. Uh, my question is, I, do major weeks feel different for you in any way? Uh, is there any type of preparation that you would do this week that maybe gets cut out uh, week to week during the grind of the LPGA season? Uh, for me, I'd like to think of it as just, you know, another golf tournament. Of course, it's a major and everything's bigger. Everything's 
better and just more grand but I like to think of it you know at the end of the day we're just playing golf so it's like the same wherever I go so just gonna do everything the same just keep it like low-key laid back not trying to do overdo anything so yeah just like play golf <laughs> yeah that's always that's always a, a good mindset well I want to go back I I mentioned you know gosh you're only 20 years old but four years ago I guess at the 2018 was a was a momentous uh, yeah crazy. i know it was a momentous year for you while you were still an amateur you won the girls junior pga championship the u.s girls junior championship and the canadian women's amateur championship i believe all in consecutive weeks and then that culminated in your decision to turn pro and i am just curious was if you could kind of walk me through that decision was it a difficult decision what what went into uh deciding to turn pro at that time for sure that was a really nice month <laughs> a month to remember <laughs> yeah, it was like yeah. a month and my birthday was that one of those weeks so that was a very nice year for me but um my parents were very supportive of me and actually they kind of pushed me towards the, the decision of going pro like it was a bit difficult for me just because you know it's not really the usual direction everyone takes and all my friends that I you know grew up playing junior golf with they all went to college I mean I was committed to UCLA as well so I was ready to go just kind of experience college life play team golf so it would have been really fun and I was looking forward to it and then just kind of deciding uh, I think like right like the summer before I went to just turn pro was it's a bit weird for me and just kind of not it was kind of weird though because it's I wouldn't say it was like out of the blue like like all of a sudden I'm gonna turn pro like I was always in the back of my head and just it's actually one of my um, my coach well my would-be coach at UCLA she when I called her telling me telling her that I would you know decommit she was actually like oh I wasn't really surprised like she said I wasn't very like enthusiastic about my commitment and I was like oh you know like not that I wasn't you know super excited it was just that turning pro was always in the back of my head. So I think it was just the road I was always supposed to take. So, yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, when you did turn pro at that point, uh, you, you didn't have any status. Mm -hmm. is, is that correct? Yeah, did, yeah. I, that has to add a layer of anxiety or just in uncertainty I yeah imagine. for sure because I turned pro at like a really awkward time like without Q school anytime close like Q school had already happened and I kind of turned pro beginning of the year like January so it was super random time so I was just kind of like what is this you know my first year as a professional golfer was not how I would imagine it not at all what I was you know looking forward to and it was just like a really tough year and just kind of getting things together like getting my confidence back up just kind of like it was just so weird I don't know so it was definitely a good experience though I wouldn't trade it for anything because that really helped me become the player I am today and just be more appreciative every of everything so yeah everything happens for a reason so I think it was good well and uh along those lines in in 2019 after you had turned pro you know really the only way to get into these LPGA events was to Monday qualify and then in August of that year you Monday qualify into the Cambia Portland Classic and you finish runner-up what I mean what was that experience like <laughs> yeah, do you, do you was, remember much from that week I do I it was just it was a good week and just I remember like I like you said I had to Monday qualify into everything and I didn't get any sponsor exemptions or I did after that tournament because it was it was a whirlwind of a week but before that I didn't get any exemptions so I had to kind of you know work for everything you know Monday qualify so just I missed a couple I played a lot of Monday qualifiers and didn't make a few until finally Portland I was like oh finally but like up until that week I was just so like ready to go like in my mind I was just like you know I've 
been putting in a lot of work because I didn't have any tournaments to play. <laughs> but uh, I was just like so ready. I was like, I feel like I can, I can go out there and, you know, really do well. So I kept having that like, I don't know, like motivation. So when I did finally make it, I was like, this is my time. <laughs> I'm going to like give it my all. And, and it just happened. It was it was fun. So, so during that period, were you, I mean, was it pretty much all practice time? Were you getting competitive reps in, mm -hmm. I don't know, like yeah, I was. Mini yeah, mini series. Or, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I right. was, and uh, like to be completely honest, I didn't even know like Cactus Tour and like those like like uh, WAP Tour, like I didn't know before like that those were there because I just you know all I think about was LPGA. So it was very like eye opening for me, the beginning of my career, and just it just built into everything. So I feel like so I actually played everything. I you know Symmetra, I played a few, played you know Cactus Tour, Mini Tour, like whatever second yeah so i just play i feel like i've played a lot of tours i played like international too like klpga and then so i feel like i've been out on a lot <laughs> so it doesn't feel like this is my like second year on tour just yeah yeah, yeah. golf wise I, I you know i'm sure life as as well there was a huge adjustment to turning pro but did you feel like was there anything you had to get better at or work on specifically at that point or was it pretty smooth and just you know trying to be more consistent right I think definitely working more around the greens especially even now too I've been just really working putting in the time to like just, uh, tune up things and like you said stay consistent because like when I was a junior you know junior golf was so fun like honestly yeah. like I was just there to have fun it was the best like and then when you played well it was just like hey great but um <laughs> yeah professional golf is definitely different and just trying to stay consistent is key I think and because I feel like I have everything it takes to win and do really well and it just it's a matter of time and just being patient with yourself like the mental part was very tough for me and so it actually helped me reconnect with um, a mental coach of mine and just yeah like you kind of think like everyone that's you know like not on tour just like playing golf they think you know tour life is so great like it is it's it's amazing like you know but the travel the mental the stress like everything that goes into it i think people don't see like that part of it as much that's a hundred percent accurate <laughs> i i think people have a they don't realize how much work and time goes into uh all your days especially like the non-tournament days even um I, have you enjoyed, you know, you've you've been all over the world at this point. Have, have you really enjoyed the travel aspect of it? And I do, yeah. Do you get to, how do you spend a normal tournament week? Is it mostly at the course or are you able to get out and explore a little bit? In the States, I usually kind of just stay on the course and back home or like, like the hotel or something because I'm like tired. But when I go like overseas, like I had a blast in Asia last week or last month like it was my first time in Singapore uh, second time in Thailand I just had so much fun like literally at Singapore like we were on this like main street like orchard where it's like so many shops I was out every day like <laughs> I'm honestly still recovering I'm so tired like my legs are just dead like I was walking around everywhere exploring so I really enjoyed that part of it uh, that's that's fantastic <laughs> yeah you guys go to some really really cool places uh, with the LPGA schedule and speaking of that, I guess uh, finally then in the end of 2019, you earned your LPGA card through Q Series, which then led into the 2020 season. Obviously, COVID really threw a wrinkle yeah. into what would have been your rookie year. But when the season started, you made 15 out of 16 cuts. Uh, you had a, a very good year. You had a runner-up. You had another third-place finish. You know, was, was that... 
I'm trying to think how to ask that. Was that at all unexpected, or did you feel at that time, you know, you were really prepared to get out onto the LPGA full time and and play well? Because again, it's year. like you were you were what 18 years old yeah. at this time, <laughs> yeah. I, which is you know it's, that's really young. Yeah, that's true. I mean, my rookie year was definitely not like how anyone planned it would be like, but um, I started out the year slow again, like a little rustier. I don't know, rocky. And I actually didn't think I was playing that well, like at all, until like the la the end of the year. I kind of got it back together. So, like when I look at the past two years, like my rookie year and then the kind of half year we had, it was like I I remember the good parts, but I also remember how unlike satisfied that I was with like my results, even though it was really good. But I just felt like it wasn't the best I could do. So definitely working on that this year, just trying to. Not, I don't want to rush anything. Like I think everything takes time, and I'll have my time. So I don't want to rush anything, but just staying really consistent and just working to be more, you know, better. <laughs> like, like everyone. Is that you mentioned? You you mentioned doing some work with a mental coach. Is that some of the work that you put in? Is just trying to not get so tied up in the results week to week, but try to take a bigger picture. I, I don't. For I'm sure, probably yeah. putting words in your mouth. But no, I'm yeah, curious some sure. of the stuff you're working on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with that. Yeah, with so I way. reconnected with him last year. Like, this is a coach that I've worked with, or I mean, I've known for a long time, so he's known me personally. So it's been really nice to just open up and just, like, talk about the struggles on and off the golf course, you know, because I think, you know, people say happy person, happy golfer, you know. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. it's been um, really, really good. Like, I've, I've gotten a lot of out of it. So, yeah, like, golf-wise, just, yeah, not trying to rush. Like, you want so much I think everyone you know we all want things to happen the way we want but nothing really does so just staying patient and just like you said not being result too much result orientated mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, last year was uh I I think very successful you know I, I want to ask you about your goals but you made the CME tour championship I think you finished mid-30s in the uh the season standings you know you made 20 cuts but the highlight, I imagine, was probably getting selected for the Solheim oh, Cup. Yeah. <laughs> Would you put that at the top of yeah, the list? Yeah, of course. It was amazing. I, it was definitely uh, one of my biggest goals last year. And, and then actually playing and just experiencing it all, it was, it was definitely another, like, motivator. It's like, I'm going to – I want to be on it every year, every time. <laughs> you looked – I mean, you, you had a great week. You went 2-1. and one, But – Watching you play there that week, I mean, it looked like, one, it looked like you were having fun, but it looked like you belonged and you were comfortable. What were the nerves like? Uh, yeah. Those first tee shots or, you mm -hmm. know, that, that first match you played? Yeah. The, okay, the first day, the first hole, like the first tee, the first day, <laughs> that was a little, okay, I, to be honest, I skied it a little bit, but I was just like, you know, it's in the fairway, we're good. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was like, I was pretty nervous, and it's just something like so different, like I didn't, there's so many people just all like and it's loud I didn't I didn't want it quiet when I was hitting I thought that was so weird it was just like that was too weird I was like you, can, you guys can keep screaming so <laughs> it was good yeah but then the rest of the days I was like this is great I just like really enjoying every moment so I wasn't too um, nervous the rest of the days so it was really just that, that first day but other than that it was it was just cool yeah mm -hmm. yeah Will you come into 2022? Uh, obviously, this is the first major of the year. In your mind, you know, what does a successful 2022 look like for for you? For me? Um, definitely a win, <laughs> like for anyone. But yeah, a win would definitely be at the top there. But just staying really consistent. I want that to be one of my bigger goals this year. Just 
staying consistent throughout the year because we have such a long schedule and it's like the year goes by so fast like I can't believe it's already April so just really like staying in the moment you know staying patient and just waiting for my time and just like working you know hard until that comes <laughs> you've had like you said you've been in contention uh, a number of times a, a few runner-up finishes what have you learned about yourself and in your golf game putting yourself in that position right I, I definitely realize you know I enjoy it <laughs> it's so much fun like being in contention is is the best and just I really embrace the nerves I think like even um at Vion last year when I was in contentions that then I thought like coming up the stretch like 16 15 16 17 I thought I'd be so nervous like I was a little nervous but I just really enjoyed it I was like you know you don't get to feel these kind of nerves all the time it's only like when you're in contention right so it's like really enjoy it and like just like this is great it's, it's so much fun so yeah hopefully next time I am in contention I'll be more you know calm and collected and just more decisive and sure of everything mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can't help but notice there are some really nice BMW courtesy cars this week yeah. here, at, <laughs> here at the Chevron H how have those been are, have you enjoyed driving them around yes yeah, so, you know it's it sucks that I'm not 25 because I can't drive it Oh, you, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, my parents are, they always travel with me. So, I mean, they're doing the driving. I forgot. Okay. So, it's yeah. like a rental car. Policy. Not even 20. And then she was like, Are you 21? I was like, No, not yet. Yeah. She's like, Oh. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, maybe I'll take a spin for it. But it's all good. It's, well, because yeah. you're, I, I have to admit, you're, you're agent Kevin, who I, I know pretty well. But he said, Do you are do you have a driver's license? I are you working on I just got it. Oh, you just got it. I just it. Okay. got it last year. Because he was like, Ask Yulimi, because I don't <laughs> think she, she even drives here. Hey, I got it. <laughs> We're good now. How was yeah. that? Pass it first try? Oh, yeah, of course. Easy it's, peasy. It took, long enough, took long enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, good for you. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think about the 25. Uh, the, it's all good. You know, the, the fact that we have the um, the courtesy cards is, is so great. I mean, mm. it's been really cool. I know you've, you've grown up in California. Um, You've only played two events here, uh, but perhaps some some other events. Uh, will you be sad to see the Chevron leave California yeah, and go to Houston? It is sad. I mean, I love California and coming, but there's so much history here. And I think Poppy's Pond is just like the best thing ever. You know, the tradition It's like so much fun. And, you know, Mission Hills is always great. But and I played um, a few junior tournaments here, the junior ANA inspirational, like inspiration, maybe. The AJGA event that was yeah. so awesome. Like the winner gets to play into the field here, so I played it a couple times. But yeah, I'll definitely be sad. But I'm also I just moved to Texas, so I'll be closer to Houston, which will be nice. Okay, uh, yeah, that will be. I was gonna ask, you know, uh, both in the United States and then out. What what are your favorite stops each year? Uh, what are your favorite cities? I guess. Um, well, I definitely love coming to LA. Just all the good food. That's it. <laughs> Good food and I'm there. Yeah, LA and just coming back um, to my home state. Like I love California. So coming over here and then out uh, overseas, I'd say I really enjoyed Singapore yeah. and Thailand and Korea <laughs> and Japan. <laughs> Everything. I love going overseas. So, yeah. Very cool. Uh, well, Yulimi, thank you so much for the time today and uh, best of luck. I, you know, I, I hope that you can make the final leap into Poppy's Pond me this too. week. <laughs> right. Thanks for having me. Hey, everybody. Randy jumping back in here again real quick to let you know today's episode is also brought to you by Whoop, the personalized digital fitness and health coach and official fitness wearable of the PGA and LPGA tours. You can monitor your recovery, sleep, training, and health with personalized recommendations and coaching feedback with Whoop. 
Train smarter, recover faster, sleep better, and now feel healthier with Whoop and their all-new Whoop 4.0, the latest, most advanced fitness wearable on the market. The all-new 4.0 is smaller, smarter, and designed with new biometric tracking, including skin temperature, blood oxygen, and more. The device also features a new smart alarm designed to wake you up feeling refreshed and ready to take on the day. Plus, it was designed with their new Anywhere technology, so you can wear it with their Whoop body sensor-enhanced technical garments. That means boxers, shorts, compression tops, bralettes, leggings, and so much more. Just remove the band from the device, slide it into the garment of your choice, and you're discreetly tracking your daily activity with Whoop. Personally, I always get a kick out of uh, coming from Denver down out of elevation. My recoveries are so good. Uh, I'm always in the green, which is a thrill. I ran on the treadmill last night and can just tell the difference in elevation. My strain was a little bit lower than what it would be uh, back in Denver. So always, always get a kick out of that. If you don't have a Whoop yet, I want to let you know the all-new waterproof device is free when you sign up for a Whoop 4.0 membership. And for any members that already have a Whoop, if you have six months left of membership on your account, you can upgrade now and get the 4.0 for free. Right now, Whoop is offering 15% off when you use the code NLU15, NLU15 at checkout. So go to Whoop, W-H-O-O-P dot com, enter NLU15 at checkout to save 15%. Thank them for sponsoring the No Laying Up podcast. And now to our interview with Matilda Castron. All right, everybody, we are now joined by Matilda Castron. Matilda, thank you so much for taking time today. It's wonderful to meet you. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, it's a beautiful morning here in Palm Springs. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, of course. Well, let's start here. For anybody that isn't overly familiar with you and your golf game, I'm curious how you would describe your golf game to people in your own words. Uh, that's a good question. I haven't really thought about it or been asked that before, but I'd like to say I enjoy the pressure and I enjoy the situations where I need to perform my best and uh, I enjoy the competition. I'm very, I'm a very competitive person, so I'd like to say uh, I perform my best under pressure. <laughs> well, and there are a couple instances that I want to ask you about in, in just a little bit where you certainly did perform well under pressure. But uh, let me start here. This is uh, we're obviously out at the Chevron Championship, Mission Hills uh, Country Club, Palm Springs. This is your first time playing in the Chevron. What's the prep like playing in a new event like this? I know, I know you live in San Diego, so I'm not sure if you're familiar at all with the course from growing up and, and being somewhat close or, or not. Well, I've actually been in San Diego only for a couple years. So I, I grew up in Finland, so not, not really close to here. But I am kind of familiar with the course. I played here um, first stage of Q school twice. But the conditions are very, very different. We play in August when it's like 115 degrees and basically no rough. And it's a very, very dry course. But the preparation is, is very different to that. So obviously the rough is quite thick. So it's important to hit the, uh, hit the fairways, hit your driver well. The fairways kind of run. So if you're driving the ball well, that really gives you an advantage. Yeah, just around the greens, uh, a lot of short game out of that thick rough, and those uh, bunker shots uh, are very, very important this week. Are, so I'm picking up, you know, obviously driving the ball well. Uh, you got to putt well anytime you want a chance to win. Is there any other aspects of Mission Hills that 
you know, go about separating and identifying a winner? Uh, and I guess with that, is there a certain hole or stretch of holes that you kind of key in on at the start of the week that are kind of important for one reason or another? Uh, I think uh, it all comes down to the last few holes on Sunday afternoon. So I think I'm, I'm putting a little more emphasis on, on the back nine. I mean, it's really important to hit the fairway here. If you're, if you're in the rough uh, and the pin is tucked, you have a really, really tough shot getting into, onto the green and stopping the ball because uh, the greens are quite firm. So I think that's going to be the differentiating factor uh, between the, the winner and the rest of the field, just driving the ball well and, and, and hitting a lot of greens and obviously making the putts. And you are here off a of whirlwind 2021. Before we kind of dive into the specifics of that, let me ask you this. Post-Solheim Cup, so kind of six months since the end of the Solheim Cup, what's that been like for you? Has there been uh, somewhat of a letdown or a come down from, I, you know, I imagine your adrenaline and competitiveness was was really firing for much of last year and and certainly all the summer but I'm curious what what these last six months have been like for you well Solheim is definitely a huge adrenaline rush there's nothing that compares it there's not really anything that prepares you for it I mean I I talked to the to some of the other players that uh, had experience and I mean it it helped a little bit but once you're there, you really know what it's like. And the whole week is just so much pressure. And I mean, it's, it's so much fun playing in the team and like getting to know the players and just having that, that great team chemistry that we had um, in our, our European team was just so much fun. But actually, I was sick right after Solheim. So I think it was a huge like stress off my shoulders. And I talked to a couple other players and they actually got sick too. So I think it's kind of all those emotions and that adrenaline just like coming off of your body and then your body just tells you to rest. Yeah, it was just such a huge week and um, the last six months have been very, very different compared to that. Um, a lot of, actually a lot of time off, which has been nice uh, to spend some time with family and uh, just do other things than, than playing golf. But yeah, I wouldn't say, I would say my game hasn't quite been as it has, or as it was last year, and uh, for Solheim and uh, my my win in Europe and win win at Medihill, I'm just staying patient and trying to get back to that best game that I have. And that you were even at the Solheim Cup and competing for Team Europe was, you know, it's an accomplishment for anybody. But I think you more so than than maybe anybody else, just because of the circumstances that you had to go through to, to qualify for that team. Can you talk about, you know, how you got to be on Team Europe and, you know, what you had to do to, to compete in the Solheim Cup? Yeah, so actually early last year, I wasn't even thinking about Solheim. I, it was my first year, first full year on the LPGA, and I was just kind of like hoping to get my card and like go step by step, build up on every year. And uh, after my win at Medihill, I started getting those questions uh, from the media. And I was like, wait, actually, I think I have a chance. But then I found out I needed to be a member of the LET, which then brought me to the decision to go to play in Finland, which I was already thinking about it before. It wasn't 
the best schedule wise but just the fact of playing playing in your home country and uh, having your friends and family there I mean it was such a great experience and uh, I think it was a a great thing for Finland I think uh, I think there were two Finnish girls in the top five so not just me playing well there but it was very cool to see all the all the people there I mean I think there were like thousands of people there on the last last hole and uh, I have a photo when I'm on the green and people are kind of just like around the green because there weren't really like ropes there so people are just like hugging <laughs> the green and uh, it's just really cool to see something like that in Finland where uh, we haven't hosted a LET event for for quite a few years and when we did uh, our last winner was Minea Blunkvist and uh, I was a little girl following her and it was the same kind of effect and it just felt really special that I got to be the one to lift the trophy at the end of the end of the week and uh, to qualify for the Solheim is just I mean it was a dream come true something that I wasn't expecting for the whole year and then everything just kind of fell into place and yeah <laughs> it's incredible I mean you, you had to you not many people can go well there just aren't that many situations in golf where somebody knows you know I have to win this tournament to be able to do this and to to go over there knowing you had to win to get let membership to then play on the Solheim Cup team it just was such a cool story and obviously you capped it off with a, a really awesome performance in Toledo for Team Europe you went three and one talk about the emotions I you sank the uh, the clinching putt did were you aware uh, when you made that putt that you know that was to retain the cup for Team Europe I wasn't sure. I knew it was an important match to win. I I was kind of looking at the scoreboard. I saw a lot of red and blue, and I was kind of trying not to think about it, but also kind of trying to see, okay, like where where are we on this on this match? And uh, our our captain she told us early in the week, don't look at the scores, just focus on winning your own point. Don't think that okay because someone is five up they're gonna win the win their point. Just try to focus on your own own match, and uh, that's what I did. And <laughs> I knew that was a an important putt to make. And me and my caddy Mikey, we we tried to read the putt as perfectly as we could, and uh, it was great. It went in and. Just all the emotions after that. I I was interviewed right after uh, right after that I made the putt. I remember I was like shaking. I didn't really know what to say, and I didn't really know what to think. And I can't even remember what I told the media, but it was a huge rush and just so much fun. You've you've been in a lot of pressure packed situations. You know, obviously junior golf very successful. College you had quite a career at Florida State getting your card through the qualifying process um, and then winning a tournament, winning in Europe, and then the Solheim Cup. I'm curious, does one situation stand out more so than any other about just the nerves and excitement that you felt? Is Would the Solheim Cup be top of the list or, or maybe a different situation? I think the most nervous I've ever felt was on the first tee of Solheim. <laughs> uh, my first match was with Anna and uh, it was a foursome. So she's like, okay, so do you wanna do you wanna hit the first tee shot? And I look at her and I'm like, no. <laughs> she's like, okay, that's what I thought. I got it. <laughs> and it was perfect. I mean, for her to hit the first shot, she's 
really like a Solheim veteran and so experienced and it was she was such a great partner to play with and yeah our, I think our games matched each other's very well and our personalities are kind of similar and uh, yeah we just had a had a great time but that uh, atmosphere on the on the first and also 10th tee because they're both on the same like within the same stand yeah that's just something that doesn't compare to anything <laughs> I want to explore when you won at the Meta Heel last year you became the first Finnish woman to win on the LPGA Tour I believe you were the first Finnish woman to compete on the Solheim Cup team what does it mean to you to, to now kind of carry the banner for for Finnish golf uh, I, I have to imagine that's that's pretty cool. It is really cool. I mean, it's it, it was something that I had been dream, dreaming of since I was a little girl to be the first winner on the LPGA. It just it means a lot to me, and uh, I just hope I can I can inspire a lot of juniors to to come play over here, both boys and girls, because uh, a lot of a lot of times people want to play in Europe because it's close to home and uh, it might be like a kind of like a stepping stone. But I hope more more juniors want to come play over here in the States now and just try to reach, reach for the top. I mentioned you won seven times. You came over and played college golf at Florida State. You won seven times while you were there. Uh, my first question is, how, how did you get to Florida State? And did you always know you wanted to do a 10 college here in the States? Yeah, so I was actually born in New York. My parents lived here when they were younger, and both me and my me and my brother were born in New York. But I grew up in Finland. Uh, we moved back when I was four. So my parents kind of they knew about the the college system here, and uh, they of course wanted me to get an education. I always knew that I wanted to play professionally, and I didn't really care that much about school. So my parents were like, "Okay, well, you can do both if you want." And uh, when I was in high school, we kind of started exploring the opportunities, and uh, I played a junior event in Florida, the the Doral Publix uh, Junior classic whatever it's called <laughs> yeah. and uh, I won and after that I got a lot of offers from schools and that's kind of when I really started to look into it and I visited a few schools Florida State being one of them and uh, I just fell in love with the campus and I thought it was a great location geographically it was easy to get to from Finland since it's on the on the east coast academically too and just everything kind of lined up with what I was looking for so that's how I ended up there Nice. And then you graduated in 2017 and turned professional. What were those first couple of years like for you in professional golf on the Symmetra Tour? I, was it a bit of a, an adjustment for you? Talk about those couple of years. It was definitely an adjustment. I mean, in college, we were pretty spoiled. We had everything taken care of and like our rent and food and like literally everything was taken care of. And then all of a sudden you're you turn pro and you, you're playing on uh, Symmetra now, Epson tour, and you're on your own. I had a lot of friends there. Uh, I traveled with, a, with three girls and we were a pretty tight group, but it was still a big adjustment golf-wise. I mean, you have to play well to make the cut and make any money. Otherwise, it was just a huge expense for the, for the week and uh, you're not making anything. So it was quite stressful for me financially. I think I was a little too focused on the results in the beginning and just trying to kind of stay afloat. Not really happy with how I was playing, 
but after the first year I kind of took a break and uh, I talked to I talked to my family and my my sponsors and uh, I actually worked in a in a wine store for a month over Christmas and uh, I had like a schedule nine to five pretty much and I got I got paid consistently which was cool I had never had that before yeah. so I was like wow this is what it's like <laughs> but at the same time I was like okay I don't think this is for me I really want to I really want to appreciate like the golf life more and being a professional golfer and just put all my all my focus on that and give it a real shot and just see where I can end up so I think my second year I had like a much better perspective and I was a lot happier wasn't that focused on the results and more like the the journey and the bigger picture and I think that really helped me getting my my LPJ tour card I have to ask did you uh, do you know a lot about wine did you learn a lot about wine working in the wine shop well I've I've always been like interested in wines and uh, I heard it's a so in Finland at the wine store is like one wine store everywhere in the country. Oh, okay. So it's kind of, they kind of have a mo- monopoly and they're known as like it's a good stepping stone for people who want to work part time or like I only work for the winter season, like the Christmas holiday season. My dad actually worked for them when he was younger. So he's like, OK, like it's a great, great place. They treat um, the employees very well and uh, the pay is OK. And it's like, OK, you know what, I'll do it. And they trained us, so we had like wine tastings every now and then, so we could tell the the, the customers and uh, explain what's in what wine and what to pair it with and stuff like that. But I was only there for a month, so I can't <laughs> I can't say that I'm like a sommelier now. But uh, it was interesting, yeah, for sure. And then earned your LPGA Tour card going into what would be the 2020 season obviously the pandemic kind of made it a much longer rookie season than uh, than anybody was expecting but going from Symmetra to LPGA you know what was that like and then talk to me about that breakthrough win at, at Metahill last year was that you know did you feel like it was building to that or did that kind of catch you by surprise uh, breaking through with a the win there well my my first year on the LPGA was very very different than um, most people's uh, because of COVID. I think I was very lucky to have that first year kind of as a as a practice round really because we could just play however many tournaments we wanted to and not really worry about the rankings or the or our status or Q school or anything. So I think it was uh, really nice to have I think I played nine events and um, I finished top 10 once. So after that I was like okay I think I think I got this. It's a nice uh, little practice practice year for us rookies. And then um, once the once our actual rookie year started, it, I felt like more prepared, and uh, I knew what to expect. And I knew I knew most of the players. I knew the staff, and I was just a lot more comfortable coming in. I didn't feel that much of a rookie, even though I was. Um, and the win, I think it did catch me by surprise. I always knew that one day I'll be holding a trophy. trophy. Uh, I knew and I was hoping. It was definitely one of my goals, but it was way sooner than I expected. I didn't expect to win my first year, but once I was in that, in that situation going into Sunday, I was like, okay, 
tomorrow is going to be a huge learning day for me. And um, I kind of took it as no matter what happens, it's going to be great because even if I didn't win, it would be a great experience and I can build on that. And next time I'll know what to expect. Uh, and if I did win, that would be obviously huge. Yeah. <laughs> but I kind of didn't put a lot of pressure on myself because I, I knew no matter what, I'll be, I'll be okay. And it's still a, an amazing week and um, just good golf. And yeah. Are you a goal-oriented person when it comes to when it comes to golf? And I'm I'm curious if so. You know, you've you've won now on the LPGA Tour. You've competed in the Solheim Cup. Uh, I'm curious if you could share if if you do have some goals. What what's next for you? What, what do you hope to accomplish here? Yeah, those were my big goals actually uh, that I set when I was a little girl. So I had to I had to kind of reevaluate after last season and think, okay, what's next? I think I'm more of like a feel person. I have my goals, like, as I said, I'm really competitive. So I know what I want to do in my career, but I haven't really set like, like benchmarks or like years to have those goals accomplished. But I'm definitely looking for some bigger trophies. Uh, I would love to win a major. I, I think I can, I have the game to do it. It's just a matter of time and uh, getting more more comfortable on the tougher golf courses and getting kind of that same same game back that I had last year that when playing felt really easy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that whenever it comes. <laughs> well, it might come this week. I was gonna say, you know, why, why not make it this week at your first Chevron? Uh, Matilda, thank you so much for taking time uh, during a major week to, to talk to us. Really appreciate it and best of luck this week. Yeah, thanks for having me. Our final guest today, uh, none other than Hannah Green. Hannah, thank you so much for taking time. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. You are, compared to the other women I've talked to today, you are kind of a veteran at this event. This is your fourth start, or uh, excuse me, your fifth start at Chevron. How do you assess uh, Mission Hills, the, the course? What, in your opinion, you know, what, what does it put a premium on in terms of uh, certain skills? Yeah, it's just a course where you have to stay really patient. I feel like every week or every year we come, it gets really firm on the weekend. So um, it means like running, you have to worry about runouts on fairways, like going into the rough and obviously where you're going to leave your ball if you don't have the right club in, um, in path into the green. So I feel like it definitely demands everything of your game. Like you have to hit a good off the tee because this week the rough is pretty juiced up for what we've been used to um, for the start of the year. So it requires everything, I think. And that's why I guess it's a major championship, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Certainly other people have played more events here. But uh, is there a part of you that will be sad to see this event leave Southern California? And I, I know, you know, the, the future is bright with Chevron and, and going to Houston. But is it bittersweet at all with this being the last time you'll play here? Yeah, I guess it never really sunk in until I got here and, you know, seeing all the photos, seeing all the quotes from like past champions and everyone saying, you know, it's the final year. It's kind of like, oh, wow, like it really is. So, um, it, yeah, I think it's quite sad because there is so much history. And, you know, when you walk down 18, you know, see everyone's name on the plaque that's previously won and uh, Poppy's Pond. So. I've had some big result here, which is, I don't know, I, I don't want it to move, even <laughs> though I haven't won or played well here. But like you said, Chevron's obviously going to do the best for us and we'll see what Houston brings us. And I'm curious, how, how do you feel coming into this week? How's, how's the game? 
Uh, last week was hard, um, trying to stay patient on the greens. You can hit good putts and bad putts and they both miss. So I think it's quite nice to come back here to um, Mission Hills with such pure greens. And um, I think the course is probably the best I've seen it. Um, I feel like it's probably the most consistent I've seen it. Um, I feel like everything looks really good. So just got to stay patient out there, not get too ahead of myself. And yeah, hopefully just knock a couple of putts in to make the hole look a little bit bigger <laughs> than it did last week. But got a good pairing playing with our fellow Perth and West Australia. And uh, Minji, so it's good. Our coach is here, so it makes it easier for him. <laughs> always, always nice to have that comfy pairing, at least for the first couple of rounds. For anybody that might be listening that's not overly familiar with your game, I'm curious how you would describe your golf game. Mm-hmm. I think I'm quite aggressive. I like to, yeah, be aggressive when I'm out on the golf course. I don't really see the point in laying up all the time. <laughs> I like guess that. that's convenient for this podcast. Yeah. But um, no, I mean, I feel like I don't have the most accurate driver but I like to hit driver and get myself the like shortest club in possible but over the last few years with COVID and everything my coach and I've been working really hard on trying to add some length um, to my game and also try and get some more consistency with like hitting greens and things like that so um, putting is so hard like when you think about it there's so many factors of trying to get that ball in the hole so there's some weeks where you're going to feel really good and some weeks you don't so I think just keeping consistent with my long game giving myself opportunities um, is something we've been working on so I'm curious that the work you did to add distance, what was that like? Because I know some people that chase distance, it can turn into a little bit of a horror story. Uh, I'm sure there's kind of a double-edged sword there. What what was that experience like for you and what specifically were you working on to help add length off the tee? I mean, I feel like I've always had the opportunity to do it. I may not have just had the time. So I think with COVID, it was actually really nice to have three or four months off to kind of experiment with my coach. And because we weren't traveling for so long, I felt like my body was in the best shape to possibly try. So um, was just going to the gym really consistently, um, trying to lift as heavy as possible and um, just trying to yet yeah, actually hit it hard, which I've never really done. I feel like I've always just tried to hit a fairway finder down there and try and, you know, steer something into the <laughs> fairway. So it was really nice to come back out to golf courses which I've played before and like hit it in completely different places but I'm definitely not like swinging it out of my boots I don't think I like I can control my swing you know I think it's also helped with getting a new driver and new equipment and things like that but have uh, just for I'm curious and I'm sure some some folks are curious do you pay a lot of attention to do you work with a track man like do you do you know your numbers did you see I'm curious yeah you know was it swing speed or uh, what, what metrics move the most for you? Yeah, definitely club head speed. Um, I feel like my ball speed did um, get a bit higher, obviously, but um, I th- I'd say uh, me going to a longer shafted driver was also the reason why I did pick up that club speed. But yeah, I've just, I've, like I said before, I've never tried to chase distance before. So like actually hitting it hard was quite fun. And I was like, oh, okay, like this is pretty cool. And then, you know, I'd go back to the gym and try and lift heavier, hoping that that would make me swing it quicker. So it was kind of fun. And yeah, wasn't traveling. So it was like, I never injured myself, which was good. But um, it was just, yes, a little project that we were working on. And, you know, when you're back on tour, it's hard. You know, you're traveling, you're on a plane, you're playing playing so much golf so it does deplete a little bit when you're through the season but I mean everyone probably has that too so of course well I want to go back a couple months uh you you made history you became the first woman to win a 72 hole mixed field event uh that was back in your home country of Australia the TPC Murray River event you know what what was that like has it sunk in did it sink in immediately I'm curious the aftermath uh what, what that's been like for you 
Uh, I actually didn't know that I was going to be the first uh, female to do that. Um, I would have thought that somewhere in the world that had happened already. And I think even after the round um, on Saturday, someone from media told me that. And I was like, oh, crap, like I had no idea. So I guess that was kind of a good thing that I didn't know. But um, it was really fun playing against the guys and actually playing with them. The first round kind of was a bit strange, like seeing my name on the leaderboard like near the guys <laughs> versus having our own separate leaderboards. But yeah, it was really cool. And a couple of weeks later, the similar format event another female almost won she was in a playoff so uh, it's hopefully just kick fires um, for more females to win those mixed events I, and I was going to ask uh, if if the nerves if, if you felt any nerves and if so if, if those nerves uh, down the stretch there I mean was it comparable you, you know you you are a major winner the, the, the 2019 KPMG women's PGA uh, was it at all similar for you I think it was a little bit different at in Murray River because the week before I played Vic Open so I had won that by a few strokes and so I was actually way more nervous there because it's an event I'd played so many years and had some good results but had never won really on home soil. So I think when I was in Cobram, I was nervous but like more excited than I was and I did also have a four-stroke lead playing the last so I was kind of like, okay, Hannah, you can close this <laughs> out. It's just a three-wood wedge into the hole. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, very true. Very true. Uh, well, I, I men mentioned a little tongue in cheek that you're a veteran. I mean, you're only 25 years old. Uh, going back to, I believe you turned pro in 2016 and then spent a season on what's now the Epson Tour, um, won three times, Rook of the Year. I'm curious what that transition like was like for you into professional golf. Uh, it at least seemed like a smooth transition, but uh, what, what was that first year like uh, as a professional? Yeah, um, I think it was kind of a blessing that I was playing on the former Symmetra Tour. In 2016, I went to LPJQ school and had a horrible weekend and completely missed getting any conditional status. So um, all I had was Symmetra back then. So um, it was kind of nice that I could just focus on a tour instead of like playing both. And yeah, had a win early in the season maybe my fourth or fifth event and um, had a really good um, six-week stretch to end the season and yeah got my card so I think it was um, yeah a blessing to play out there and um, get the confidence of trying to win tournaments because I played a lot of amateur tournaments here in the US and you know up in Asia but I never really were winning tournaments so I think it's it's hard to learn how to do that the more you put yourself in contention the easier it does feel so it was nice to at least get somewhat ready for experiencing the LPGA. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, you earned your card then. 2018 was your rookie year. And then 2019, uh, you burst onto the scene. Your first ever LPGA win is a major, which is a very rare thing for that to be the case. As I mentioned, the, the KPMG Women's PGA. This, I, I think this might be a dumb question, but, uh, and, and you've since won again, uh, you won the Cambia Portland Classic, but would you have changed anything about that? And I guess what I mean is, was was there an extra pressure or, or stress with your first win being a major? Because uh, that's that's just not something that happens for a lot of people. Yeah, um, it was like the first time I'd ever done any media and stuff <laughs> after my round. Um, I was like so tired the entire week because you know I'd never had experienced that type of stuff. So it was a complete whirlwind of a events and I don't think I would have changed anything I, I actually feel like I sometimes get more nervous now than I did back then because 
I know what it's like. I feel like because it was so foreign to me back then, I was kind of like, oh, this is really cool <laughs> somehow. But yeah, I was, I mean, I was nervous. And even in Portland when I won there, I was nervous too. But nerves are a good thing. Obviously means something to you. So hopefully I can keep getting myself in those situations. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know earlier this year uh, you were quoted, I think it might have been after your wins in Australia, that you have a goal to become a top 10 player. And, you know, I, are there... Other benchmarks, I, obviously that's an end result, but I'm curious how you go about setting that goal and you know, are there more specifics to help you reach that? Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, everyone else that's in the top 10 in the world has had two to three wins in their season, so that's something that I'm looking for. And um, after you know, winning KPMG, I feel like I can uh, easily do it again. I feel like uh, my game is in better shape than what it was back then. I just putted really well that week. So it's just hard. You have to stay patient. And there's so many good players out here. I mean, look at Jin Young and Nelly and all these new rookies that are um, you know, winning for the first time as well. So it's hard. You just got to hope that one week <laughs> comes pretty soon. But yeah, hopefully a few wins and that can get me close to the top 10. And... I also wanted to ask, 2021, it wasn't a tournament victory, but it was life-changing in, in its own regard, was the Aon Risk Reward Challenge. Can you talk about, I, I think, you know, it, it's a dual contest going for both the LPGA and PGA. I think on the PGA side, it just kind of gets lost a little bit in the shuffle, but can you talk about why that's such a big deal and, and why it was life-changing for you to win that? Oh, absolutely. Just to have Aon recognize that, you know, we should have some sort of equality within golf. For us, it's life-changing because, I mean, I had a good year, but I didn't make anywhere near a million dollars. So um, at the moment, I'm trying to look for a house, so it kind of makes it a lot easier to have a mortgage on tour <laughs> and even just give me security for the rest of my career type of thing um, with all the, you know... Um, costs of being out here and things like that but um, yeah it's it's been huge for us players and we're all you know keeping an eye out on the leaderboard to see who's up there and um, hopefully it's like that on the PGA Tour hopefully they're also striving to get that Aon Risk Reward Challenge um, prize money but yeah it's um, it's been really cool so far and hopefully I can try and defend that again this year. Well and for anybody listening that doesn't quite know it's it's essentially they pick a hole each week uh, usually, as the name indicates, you know, a risk-reward type hole oftentimes can be a par five or a drivable four. And it's essentially a cumulative performance throughout the year on those holes each week. And did, I, I guess my question for you is, did you know coming down the stretch that, you know, you were leading and in a position to win? Because I, I believe you made the decision in the end to, to skip a tournament to, yeah. to kind of keep that lead. Was yeah. that a difficult decision? Yeah, it was really hard because the Australian borders were closed. I had to take five events off um, during the middle of the year. So it's the least amount of tournaments I'd played during a season. And I just really wanted to keep playing, you know, get as many tournaments for my 2021 season. So when I was over in the British Open uh, last year, my friend Ali Whitaker, she was commentating and I overheard her saying I was leading the challenge. And by then we still had seven or eight weeks left and I didn't really think anything of it. I was like, okay, whatever, like just yeah. keep being aggressive, <laughs> just, you know, try and make as many birdies or eagles as possible. And um, I guess we got to Asia. So I played in Korea and made two birdies on the hole. So I was trying to go for the eagle to try and better my um, <laughs> average. But um, 
my caddy and coach and pretty much everyone around me was like, Hannah, I think you need to withdraw from the next event. You know, you could almost jeopardise your scoring average and if the others behind you have a good week, um, it could get really close there. So it was, it was such a tough thing, like withdrawing. And I was like, oh, am I doing the right thing? But then I'm like, it's a million dollars. Like, yeah. how can you possibly jeopardize that? So I was, was going to say, don't apologize. Yeah. Don't apologize for that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think anybody, I certainly, if I was in your position, I think I would make the exact same choice. Um, well, I'm curious, uh, kind of a non-golf question. You know, you, you, you go all over the world. You're obviously from Australia. What are some of your favorite tour stops year to year both in the United States and abroad yeah I actually really love this west coast swing it's so nice to be able to just get in your car drive to the next event San Diego I think it's such a cool spot we usually have really good weather there every year Um, love coming to the desert so I think the west coast of the U.S. kind of reminds me of home like that's probably why I love it so much but I also am half Scottish so I really enjoy going out to Scotland and playing such different golf courses to what we're used to even though my results probably doesn't say that I love it uh, I do really enjoy it when I'm out there and then obviously anywhere in Australia as well. Well and speaking of Scotland I cannot wait for the Women's British Open this year at Muirfield. Have you gotten to play there have you seen it before no well we played just down the road um for scottish open we played at renaissance so we've pretty much driven past it every time we (laughs) go there but um no i'm super excited i've already booked my accommodation Uh, my mum's gonna come and all my mum's like family are gonna come watch me so i'm excited to just play muirfield so it's just a treat that i have family there supporting me that's that's awesome uh yeah i'm I'm, that's one that i've had circled for a few years i would love to get over and, and be able to see muirfield and and see, you know, you guys competing on such a historical course, I think is awesome for the women's game. I guess kind of last question, you know, I, I think this week being a little different, it's a major week, but I, what's what's a week like in the life of, of Hannah Green? I mean, obviously competition days, Thursday through Sunday are, you know, mostly work. And I imagine you spend a lot of time at the course, but Monday through Wednesday, you know, are you able to get away from the course? Do you like to go out and explore the city? How how do you like to spend your time when you're traveling and on the road? Well, this week's actually a little bit different because my coach from Perth is here. So I haven't seen him in six, seven weeks now. So we've just kind of been fine tuning. So this is actually probably the most time I've spent on the golf course from Monday to Wednesday, just because the facilities are good, the weather's good. And, you know, it's an important week, um, first major of the year. If you have a good finish, it kind of sets up the rest of your year. So I love coming to the desert. Usually I'd go for a hike, but I, I wouldn't really do that if I'm like like during the tournament days. But yeah. I've kind of missed my opportunity <laughs> to go for a hike now. Love being out here. The weather's nice. Um, I could actually fit, like see myself living here and basing myself here with how good the golf course and the weather is. So. Well, you mentioned you wanted a home. Would that be back in Australia or are you looking here in the States? Um, I would like to find a place in Perth first, I think, okay. before I bought over here. There's so many places that I love in the U.S., but I just don't know if they make the most sense to buy for, you know, what I'm doing as a job because I feel like I'll always return back to Australia. You know, my family's there, my coaches and everyone are there. So it would be very little weeks that I would actually spend in the U.S. Yeah. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for, for taking time on, on a Wednesday before a major. Awesome to get to chat with you for a little bit. Best of luck this week and hope you can cap the last tournament here, uh, taking a jump into Poppy's Pond. Yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yes! Yeah!
Honey, that's better than most. How about in? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect 